Welcome to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden, primary care physician and acute care hospitalist at Hennepin Healthcare in downtown Minneapolis, where we cover the latest in health, healthcare, and what matters to you. And now here's our host, Dr. David Hilden. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. David Hilden, your host of the Healthy Matters Podcast. Welcome to episode 18. Here in Minnesota, most of us are soaking up every last little bit of our most precious summer. And for many of us, this is the most active time of the year. And while that's almost always a good thing, it does open us up to the possibility of injury. But what exactly is, say, golfer's elbow? What's tennis elbow? And why do so many people end up with shoulder injuries? Well, Today, we're going to get to the bottom of some of these more common injuries that interrupt our summer fun. Hopefully, come up with some options for ways to prevent them altogether. Joining me today are orthopedic surgeons Dr. Jackie Geisler, who specializes in hands, and Dr. Nancy Luger, who specializes in sports injuries. So one we hear about all the time, Dr. Geisler, is tennis elbow. What is it? Yes, tennis elbow goes by two names. It goes by tennis elbow and it goes by lateral epicondylitis. So it's a common disorder on the outside of your elbow. It's pretty painful. It's a tendonitis or a tendinopathy, sometimes considered a degenerative condition, often seen for overuse and sometimes athletics as well. A misnomer. You do not need to be a tennis player to suffer from tennis elbow. So why is it called that? Uh, Because it's common in tennis players with the overhead serves. They're doing that repetitive actually wrist motion as well as the elbow motion that will really aggravate that. The tennis elbow is a problem with actually the wrist extensors where they originate in the elbow. And so anything with that wrist extension can really aggravate that condition. Is it common? I mean, even in non-tennis so players? So common. I, it's probably the number one condition I get stopped in the hallway for my colleagues to ask me about. Everybody has it. It doesn't matter if you're doing stuff for hobbies on the weekends, if you're an athlete, if it's part of your job. We see it a lot in manual laborers. We see it in people doing their everyday activities, cleaning their house, things like that. And so I know a guy who works in the hospital with us. He swears he doesn't play tennis. His outside of his elbow has been hurting him for weeks, maybe even a month or two, and he doesn't know how he got it. So in addition to tennis and those things that you've mentioned, you can get it just from your normal life or from sports. But totally what, what are you feeling? What does it feel like? People complain that it feels like hot or even burning there. It's extremely um, not only point tender, but almost burning when they move their wrist or do their elbow activities. And it's it's right adjacent to that point of the elbow on the outside there. So other than not doing the things that led to it, mm-hmm. is there anything people can do for it? Yeah, there's lots of things you can do from it. So uh, I will say you're on to something. If it if it hurts, don't do it. It's totally a treatment. We even put a name on it. It's called activity modification. It sounds super fancy. But the idea is, is you want to pull back from your activities a little bit so that you can allow that area to rest and to heal. And then the treatment is is has so many options, in part because they all work a little, but none of them will reliably cure your symptoms necessarily on their own. I love that. Activity modification, Jackie. That pretty much just means... It, when it hurts when you do this, stop doing that. Yeah, you got it. So quit doing what you're doing what makes it hurts. When do they need to see you? You're a surgeon. Yeah, so I would say if it continues to get worse instead of continuing to get better despite the obvious home re- remedies. So, you know, the first thing to do is to pull back on your activities. Usually people say, like, when I do these three things, it's really painful. So scale back on that. Do some rest. Ibuprofen, Tylenol over-the-counter both help with pain and t- inflammation. Um, so those can be really helpful. You can even go on, this sounds ridiculous, but, like, you can buy over-the-counter, like, armbands. You can, like, Google 
tennis elbow and they'll show you an armband that you can buy. You want to be careful not to apply those too tightly to solve one problem and make a new problem. But if those things are really not serving to make you better, that's a great time to schedule an appointment with with a provider. How long does it last? And, 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 let's say you don't do anything. I, I'm just, okay, I stopped playing tennis. I stopped doing work at a jackhammer or whatever it was mm-hmm, that caught, brought it mm-hmm. on. How long can you expect it to still bother you? Uh, in good news, 80% of people have their symptoms resolved by a year. But oh, that's the good news? That's a long, I know. lasted I was, time. I was being a little facetious, oh. yeah. It's it's a difficult, difficult condition. Most people don't have their conditions last that soon. I think if you get on it right away and try to intervene and interrupt that cycle, you can shorten the course of it. But some people just have a really difficult time with it. It doesn't mean that it's not going to get better. It's just really difficult in the interim. Is there a surgery that's helpful? There is, but the good news is most people don't need the surgery. So just because you see a surgeon, don't be surprised if they have a whole menu of options that they offer to you before surgery. Surgery is really a last resort. So maybe I'm not going to make it as a Wimbledon champion uh, with my tennis elbow, but I want to golf. I'm going to win the U.S. Open golf tournament. What is golfer's elbow? Yeah, good question. So that's basically a very similar condition on the inside of the elbow, so on the side of your elbow next to your body. And it's the same kind of idea, but using different muscles that aggravate the condition. And so that side um, can feel like very similar, can be aggravated by similar but slightly different activities treatments are very similar. The one thing that's a little bit different is there's a nerve. Your funny bone nerve is sitting right next to there, also known as your ulnar nerve. And that can be associated with the condition sometimes, and that can cause numbness and tingling in your fingers. And so some people have those two conditions together. Okay, so I can't let that one go. People do talk about the funny bone. Mm-hmm. You called it a nerve. Tell us oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So the funny bone, when you bang your elbow and you get that electrical shock. Hurts we, like a big hurt, dog. Yeah, we call it the funny bone. The bone it actually runs next to is called the humerus, which in my head, the humerus is funny. And so I think that's probably how it got its name. But there's really nothing that that laughable about it. It the, really is sore. Oh, it just like, when you get that dinger on the inside yes. of your elbow, it's the worst. And it is the nerve that causes that problem. That is really painful. So the, the golfer's elbow, the tennis elbow, or the medial and lateral epicondylitis. They're treated roughly the same, right? Yeah, very similar treatments. So for example, we talked a little bit about some things you can do at home. So you can scale back on some of the activities that you enjoy, you can, or that aggravate your symptom. You can take ibuprofen, take Tylenol, both two really great medications that you can get without a prescription over the counter. You can get what's called a counterforce band, and that can help with uh, redistributing the stress that's on the area that hurts, which can be really helpful. A lot of people do benefit from an occupational or physical therapy course It's conflicting whether that actually changes things, but what I find most helpful about that is they can serve as a bit of a coach to help you identify the activities that are aggravating your condition and help you understand where to scale back. They can continue helping you be active while also avoiding the things that are giving you trouble. And then there's more invasive treatment options as well. So injections can be very helpful, and there's a variety of injections that can be useful. So steroids are pretty common. They seem to help in the short term, maybe not as much in the long term. There's some other options, like you can inject some blood or you can use some PRP. Platelet-rich plasma has a little bit of evidence for it, still sometimes in the experimental phase. But those are all things that can be helpful. And then, of course, if those things fail and your symptoms are really limiting, it could be that you need to see a surgeon and we could help you with that. Heat or ice? 
what should you use? Good question. So that's a pretty dynamic area right now. So I would say in general, ice is good when there's a component of inflammation. And with the the conditions that we're talking about, there's an understanding that they might actually be more degenerative than they are actually inflammatory. And so I would, this is the way I recommend it. I say try the ice, and if it helps you feel better, then that's what you're going to use to help the pain. It may not overall help your condition necessarily get better faster or shorten your course reliably, but it's going to help you feel better and tolerate those symptoms better. I like heat in the morning when you're a little bit stiff. Warm it up a little bit, just like a professional athlete. They're going to warm up in the beginning, and then they're going to cool down at the end. But you want to be careful that you don't you know, immobilize or hold things still too long because that'll solve one problem and make a new problem. And we know that movement is important for healing. Motion is the lotion. Motion is the lotion. Have you ever heard that one before? Yes, motion is the lotion. So why does it last so long? What you said up to a year, people with tennis elbow or golfer's elbow can be in pain. You don't want to take like ibuprofen for a whole year, right? Yeah, you don't. You don't. So I would say like if you're taking it more than on an occasional basis and or if you're taking it around the clock, you know, three times a day, that's probably time for more focused treatment. So that's when I would see a medical professional, see if you're a candidate for an injection that'll give you more localized anti-inflammatory and medical treatment to that area. And whether it's the anti-inflammatories that work or something else, that can be really helpful. And then those treatments are more focal instead of being systemic or in your whole body, and that can make them safer. Good tips about keeping your elbows uh, healthy or what to do about them when you do have an injury to your elbows. That was Dr. Jackie Geisler. When we come back from a short break, I'm going to shift to your shoulders and we're going to talk about injuries to the rotator cuff and surrounding structures in your shoulder. That will be with Dr. Nancy Luger. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. Got a question or comment for the doc? Email us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or give us a call at 612-873-TALK. That's 612-873-8255. And now let's get back to more healthy conversation. And we're back and we're going to shift gears to the shoulder. Dr. Nancy Luger, another orthopedic surgeon colleague of mine at Hennepin Healthcare, does a lot of work with sports injuries and shoulders. So Nancy, first of all, What are the common shoulder injuries? And specifically, I guess what I'm talking about is your rotator cuff. So there are many injuries about the shoulder, but most people talk about the rotator cuff. And the rotator cuff is actually four tendons that are making up the rotator cuff. So collectively, we call it the rotator cuff. But there are four tendons, and there are different actions in the shoulder. And the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. So rotator cuff responsible for the movement of that shoulder. And it's really, I've often found it a remarkable joint. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to a shoulder surgeon. But you know, a lot of the, a lot of the joints kind of go in one direction. But this allows a baseball player to throw a a ball 100 miles an hour and allows us to do our shoulders in all these different directions. It's actually quite a remarkable structure, but it also means stuff can go wrong. So how do people injure their rotator cuff commonly? So I'd say there's a couple ways. One, you can just have an acute trauma. You could um, be riding on your bike real fast, hit a pothole, fall with your outstretched arm, and have an acute event of your rotator cuff tearing your rotator cuff. 
I'd say most commonly we see as people age, their tendon qualities kind of change over time. The composition of the tendon changes over time. And the more you recreate and do golf, tennis, upper extremity sports like swimming, volleyball, etc., you can injure or cause inflammation or damage to the rotator cuff that way. Maybe you should just stop doing all those things and become a couch potato. That has consequences of its own, Dr. Hilden. <laughs> I love that. You gave that a little <laughs> bit of thought before you answered that. Okay, so I've had some injury or I'm a pitcher for the twins or whatever it is. Uh, what classic symptoms might I have uh, in a rotator cuff injury? In a rotator cuff tear, it's often pain that radiates down kind of the outside of the arm, the upper arm. Um, pain at night. Very difficult time sleeping, sleeping on that side. Uh, pain with overhead motion, lifting overhead, so putting things in cupboards. Or um, if you work overhead like an electrician or something like that, um, those are the most common things people complain about. Just like one of our producers has a, a tennis elbow, you are describing my daily life right now. So do you have any appointments coming up? I'm going to come see you. I have exactly what you've just described. Pain overhead, um, especially at night. And how do I know? And I'm saying I have all that right now. How do I know? <laughs> how do I know if it's serious? Um, I'd say you know the common things that you do for uh, pain in your any joint is you rest it. You can um, avoid things that really bother it, or fancy term, activity modification. You guys are buzzkills. <laughs> you, you know, you just you have to stop doing all the stuff. Take some anti-inflammatories, ice it, etc. But if it's unrelenting and doesn't resolve after your uh, week or so of um, trying to modify it, then we're always happy to see you in our clinic. When do you need to get images, in, in, you know, or in non-medical terms, x-rays and the like? So usually when someone comes into our office, we can see some things on x-ray. So we do a screening x-ray. It's bad enough to come see us in the office. So I'd say x-rays are usually a, a good initial assessment. And then it's our physical exam. Are, have you lost motion? Have you lost strength? And did you have a real significant accident or something like that? That makes me concerned that you actually tore all the way through the tendon and now have a, a large rotator cuff tendon tear versus just irritation of the tendon. And then I would order an MRI. Okay. So you've talked about tears and irritation. Um, you, and there's four of them, you said. Or I think you said there's four structures in there. Uh, can you tell if they're partially torn or they're ripped or they're completely disconnected? Um, can you can the patient tell that? I know you can tell that with some, some um, procedures. I think, you know, they can be equally as painful if there's a full tear or just irritation. So from a patient perspective, probably can't tell as much. On physical exam, if there is genuine weakness, um, that would make me highly suspicious that someone has a full tendon tear and that that tendon is no longer working. And they might not know they have that. It would no. just hurt. Correct. So there's options for treatments, I take it. There's non-surgical ones and probably surgical ones. Start with the non-surgical. What what would you do to somebody once you've diagnosed this? Generally, um, I think the vast majority of people get better with some form of physical therapy. And I think, as Dr. Geisler said, I think of them as your coach. So some people need more coaching than others. So as far as how many visits you're going to need, it's going to be dependent on how much instruction you need. But they can teach you how to do um, motion appropriately, make sure you maintain your range of motion and then show you how to like gradually strengthen all the muscles that are involved in the rotator cuff and the surrounding structures that can support the shoulder joint as well. Can you hurt it or make it worse by doing that? 
generally you don't make it worse. People tend to stop if it's very painful, and that's where your therapist can help you and get back to you and say, listen, this patient isn't doing very well. Can you reassess? And that's when you would maybe lean towards imaging if they're not improving with therapy. So when do you have to do surgery? Or I shouldn't maybe put it that way. When is surgery a good idea? So again, when we think of um, rotator cuff tears, I'd say if there's a tear all the way through the tendon and you had an acute trauma, we often recommend surgery. That is an acute change in your rotator cuff tendon. If you have a kind of more of degenerative tear over time, you've gone through the full course of physical therapy, you've tried to ice it, rest it, etc., and you're still not getting to the point where you're back to the activities that you enjoy, that's when I would maybe have a discussion about the benefits of a surgery. Okay. Now, Dr. Geisler talked about a fairly long recovery course for some of the elbow tendinopathies. How long of a situation are we talking about with most rotator cuff problems? I'd say it's pretty similar. I'd say most orthopedic injuries in general are 12 months. Um, I, I think everyone gets a little scared when they hear that, but when you think of how long you've been suffering and then you modify your activities, kind of rest it. You get weak over time, so it just takes a lot to get your motion back. Then you have to get your strength back, and you don't get strong overnight. It takes many weeks to get strong. And then you haven't been in your sport or activities, and then you have to go through your preconditioning of your sport back to your full competition. Yeah, it is a long time, but that seems to be a consistent theme. You'd almost rather just like break a bone in half, half and have you put some hardware in there and it fix it. Still long recovery with that, Dr. Hill. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you got, you're both orthopedic surgeons. Admit it, you like to put in hardware, don't you? Yes. Yeah, they both said yes immediately. <laughs> okay, um, Dr. Luger, you do uh, um, other sports injuries as well, and I hear a lot. I hear about soccer players, and in my age group, I hear a lot about pickleball players, and they're all coming up with ACL injuries. What's that? An ACL injury is an injury to the ligament in the center of the knee. There is a couple ligaments in the center of the knee. Most people have heard of the ACL, which is the anterior cruciate ligament. There's also a PCL or posterior cruciate ligament, but the most common injury in soccer players, basketball players, cutting, pivoting, twisting sports is the ACL. You know, I'm an, I'm an internal medicine guy. I'm like terrified of anatomy and scalpels and all that. But I do remember when, and when we had to do uh, an anatomy lab and the ACL is a thick, short, th- short, but thick little ligament. How the heck can that thing pop or, or break? I don't even get it. There are many ways you can do it. Direct trauma contact injury, but also it's a common non-contact injury where you just twist funny and you're you're going in one direction, you twist pivot and your momentum's carrying you in one direction and you're trying to go another direction in it. And that one hurts and your knee maybe isn't stable. Um, what do you do about it? What I think that most people should know is the classic presentation for an ACL is they twisted, hurt a pop, they couldn't put any weight on it and their knee swelled up. You definitely want to go see a a physician at that point to have an evaluation. After you see the physician, more than likely we'll get an MRI to confirm what that ACL looks like and then see if there's any other structural injuries to the knee. Are you able to then surgically repair most of them? So there's different treatments now. Uh, Historically, there was ACL repair. Um, There is some traction on repairing ACLs, but they're very specific new literature on that. So that is kind of old school. Repairing them. Correct. The gold standard is and still is reconstruction, remaking that ligament 
taking tissue from your body usually and putting in place where your ligament has been torn. Okay. Where? Where do you take it from in the body to reconstruct it? You can take it from multiple places. You can take part of the quad tendon on the same knee. You can take part of the patellar tendon. And you can take hamstring tendons. And you can do without these? And you can do without these. I always wonder who's the first first person that ever said, let's take a little bit out of a different tendon and like reconstruct. And then you just sew it in place? And you sew it in place. There are some devices to use to hold it. Well, you guys do cool stuff. It's a little fancy. (laughs) You you don't just like take a staple gun (laughs) and you do it that way. So those are ACL injuries and um, we've talked about your elbows and your shoulders. I'm going to ask each of you in turn to tell me what else you're seeing in your practices. You're both orthopedic surgeons at a big downtown hospital in Minneapolis and it's summertime. Jackie, what else are you seeing? So in the summer, anytime people in Minnesota are out, active, pickleballing, bicycling, whatever it is, they're vulnerable to both the sports injuries and the other injuries that you get from just like being active. So, you know, we do see a lot of fractures, wrist fractures, ankle fractures. Those are pretty common. Um, Tendonitis is pretty common. Carpal tunnel, everybody always seems to have that. Trigger fingers are also other things that are really common. There's a tendonitis called Decrovane's tendonitis. Can I ask you to say more about trigger finger? Because in my primary care clinic, I see loads of people with this. And oh. It could be any one of these fingers where their fingers all kind of stuck, yeah. bent. It's very common, and no one has ever heard of it until it happens to them. And then it's like common for us to see, but a new experience for the patient. It's where there's a little bit of a mismatch between your tendon and this and the pulley system that it runs through, through the tunnel that it runs through. And either the tendon gets a little big or that tunnel gets a little thickened. And then the tendon wants to sort of not slide through that tunnel very easily, kind of like a knot in your shoelace sliding through the eyelet. It'll go through, but it kind of pops back and forth as it does that. That's a great way to put it. Can I ask you, Dr. Geiser, how'd you get into hand surgery? Because you are specifically a surgeon of the upper body, the arms, and the hands. Mm -hmm. What drew you to that? I just think it's super interesting. The anatomy is super complex. The breadth of what we do, there's so many conditions that affect the hand. And the hand is a little bit like the face. Like it's very socially interactive. And I just really love the interplay of the complex and the way we use our hands. And I just think it's a great specialty. A pro tip to listeners. If you have a hand injury, you want to see a surgeon who specializes in hands. And I often recommend Dr. Jackie Geisler for just that purpose. Dr. Luger, you do a lot of sports injuries. How'd you get into that? I love sports. I love talking about sports. I like watching sports. I like participating in sports. And there's lots of cool tools and instruments in surgery for sports. Okay, you said cool tools. Uh, do you get them at Home Depot or what are the coolest tools? <laughs> we do not get you them do. at. I bet you do. You go down to Home Depot. And- we, we I love not- Home Depot. <laughs> uh, no, we do not get them at Home Depot. However, I will say that putting in traction pins, you do use the a drill yeah. from Home Depot. Yeah, so you guys break out the power tools in the in the in the surgery suite, and you're putting in all this cool metal and stuff like that. Yes, yep. unbelievable. So let's talk about what people can do to avoid all these injuries. Doctor Luger, you start. So I'd say it's very important that you have a proper warm up. Uh, so that you get warm before you go to your uh, extreme competition. Secondly, I think that it's important to recognize when you have some fatigue and that you take appropriate breaks so that you don't injure yourself because your form suffers or you can no longer do your amazing competition. Um, And then 
also a proper cool down. Make sure you that you stretch and maintain your nutrition and hydration. And a proper equipment. Make sure you're wearing proper footwear, etc., depending on what you're doing. So after hearing all this, Dr. Jackie Geisler, maybe you can help me out with this one. Is exercise still a good idea? Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah, I mean, the the benefits of exercise are never contested. But I do think I spend a lot of time talking to patients about setting expectations for what kind of sportsing is appropriate in their life. And so I think one of the things to just sort of pay attention to is make sure that you have appropriate expectations. If you're going to pick up a new sport, say running, you don't want to sign yourself up for a marathon in six weeks. You want to start with something like a couch to 5K program where you can really get your body in in the movements, in the exercise, build up that strength, build up that endurance, try to listen to your body, respond to any new injuries or sore spots and modify your techniques. That's a great tip. I love the couch to 5K. It probably doesn't happen over one weekend. No, sure doesn't. Takes a lot of effort. We have been talking about summertime injuries, sports injuries of the elbows and the hands and the knees and the shoulders with Dr. Jackie Geisler and Dr. Nancy Luger. They our colleagues of mine here at Hennepin Healthcare in downtown Minneapolis and a key part of our orthopedic surgery department. I do often tell people if you need an orthopedic surgeon, you come to Hennepin Healthcare. If you happen to be in the upper Midwest, that's where you want to go. Not only these two, but their whole team is simply the best in orthopedic surgery anywhere. So, Jackie, Nancy, thanks for being on the show with me today. Thank you, Dave. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Thank you both for lots of great information. Listeners, I hope you've picked up a thing or two, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode. And in the meantime, be healthy and be well. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. To find out more about the Healthy Matters Podcast or browse the archive, visit healthymatters.org. Got a question or a comment for the show? Email us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or call 612-873-TALK. There's also a link in the show notes. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and share the show with others. The Healthy Matters podcast is made possible by Hennepin Healthcare in Minneapolis, Minnesota and engineered and produced by John Lucas at Highball. Executive producers are Jonathan Comito and Christine Hill. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during this program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your physician if you have a more serious or pressing health concern. Until next time, be healthy and be well.